Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Chicago. Always streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Check this out. Good morning and welcome on in. Tyler Rocky, Shay Norling. We're with you on ESPN 1000, 312 332 3776. Shay is back from Detroit after last weekend. I made it. I mean, that had to have been awesome. Fourth, I, fourth loudest uh, game in NFL history. That is amazing. My ears I'm guessing ringing. a lot were Seattle has to be up there for some of the loudest ones ever. Let, let me look. Were the others domes or. I'd imagine a lot of those Seattle, like Kansas City's the loudest. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, the four are. Um, Sorry to put you on the spot like this so early in the yeah, show. I mean, we're not it. even a minute in. I, I apologize. I read it earlier in the week, <laughs> and now it's like, go find this. Go find it, boy. Tell me what the loudest stadiums were. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll vamp for you a little bit here. But yeah, like those, those moments are when I get my sports FOMOs. Like when you see an environment like that, like I don't really, I don't get sports FOMO for missing a game. I get sports FOMO from when I see a rowdy environment or a crazy environment. I always point to whenever there's a court or field storming and they're like taking the goalposts to the lake, like Potsy did uh, over the over the fall. Big when FOMO. Was, yeah, like I had big sports FOMO uh, last year. With uh, Tennessee, Alabama in Knoxville, like that was big time sports FOMO for me. New Orleans, okay, Seattle, and Kansas. City. Was New Orleans the playoff game or was it the Monday night game? After Actually, Katrina? I think game wise, it was uh, Seattle twice and Kansas City, and then okay. Detroit. Yeah, that's awesome though. It was unreal. I, it was like it was my first NFL playoff game, mm-hmm. and it was unlike any sporting event that I've been to. So what what is that in the running with in terms of like the best environments you've been in? Uh, Rose Bowl was incredible okay. for different reasons though because yeah, the Rose yeah. Bowl doesn't get loud. It's right. a fifty it's fifty a, crowd. It's a it's like I don't want to compare it to going to the Kentucky Derby, but it's like a full day event and like the the game feels secondary. Well, we were in the student section and Michigan State was playing, so okay. the game was very primary okay. for the people that we were with, and the student section felt loud, but you could tell the entire environment was. A little diluted because it's thirty percent Stanford fans and seventy percent state fans. I don't know if anything comes to this. Really, like the Taylor Swift concert over the summer was <laughs> insane. I know you're laughing, but that's great, dude. It was crazy. No, I, I'm sure. It I'll felt never like, forget that. It that's, felt like seeing the Beatles at Shea Stadium. That is like that's going to be one of those events I will never forget in my life. I didn't even go, but like the phenomenon of oh Taylor Swift's coming to your town in the year 2023 is going to be one of those things I'll never forget in my life. People camping out for days to get the merchandise, the the ticket prices through the roof. I mean, you had to pay an arm and a leg for them. Just the rat race of getting tickets and everything that went wrong with Ticketmaster. Like I'll never forget that. Yeah, it was it was like a That's the it event it was of, a cultural of moment. the last like 10 years probably. Uh, Lambo's up there. Lambo's awesome. Lambo's just that's the best regular season NFL game I've been to because it yeah. just everybody breathes football there. Yeah. It's it's in the blood. Like it feels like a college game, and I mean that as a compliment. No, yeah, like you walk around Green Bay and it, it's just houses, and it feels like the stadium's coming up out of nowhere. Yeah, and it reminds me of going to a college campus where the stadium's just parked in the middle of either a campus or a neighborhood next to campus. 
Columbus was a little different. The Ohio State game, it was cool to experience. But because it was such a blowout in favor of Ohio State, like by halftime, people were leaving. So it was cool to go there and and have done that. But it wasn't like up there with the great experiences. Baseball playoffs are always great. Yeah, I I went to my first baseball playoff game this past year. And I went as a neutral fan. Actually, I shouldn't say I went as a neutral fan. Yeah, you hate the Brewers. (laughs) I, I hate the Brewers. I went because I bought the tickets anticipating... That it would be Brewers Cubs in the first round, and I'm like, all right, I'll go to as a road fan. I love going to games as a road fan, by the way. And then it ends up being Diamondbacks Brewers, and I was just, I was just a jag the entire time up there. I was, I was a villain in the state of Wisconsin for three hours, and it was glorious because they got swept. And I like, I have never seen people. Wave rally towels at a funeral before, but that's what that was for me, and it was my Super Bowl. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it, it's weird because the thing with the NFL, and I think what makes it so different than other sports, and especially in a playoff environment, is like obviously when you're at a playoff baseball game, every pitch matters. Everybody's living and dying on every single pitch, but you don't have the crowd factor of like there are moments in the game. Like, when your team is on defense, you feel like you have a legitimate impact on what is happening on the Mm -hmm. field as a fan. And the place just explodes. Like, it was crazy because the Lions won the toss, took the football. That's how you rowdy people up. Like, And then go, I think, three and out. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a minute into the game, and we're watching a punt, and... A dude almost got lit up on the punt return, and people were getting hyped about that. But then it was funny because, like, everybody's still seated off of offense, and you see the Tampa Bay offense come on the field, and before the announcers do anything or before they're even in the huddle, you just people next to me in the stands. All right, let's go. Hands up. Everybody's on their feet. And then the rest of the game was just, like, ear-splitting. It was insane. It was one of the coolest environments I've ever been in. And I think in large part because, like I said this to somebody yesterday, I got asked, are you a Lions fan? Because I grew up in Detroit, and I'm not. And Like, like you wouldn't have been heartbroken if they had lost that no, game. No, I would have been heartbroken for my dad, who yeah. grew up with this team. Fair. Like Part of why I don't root for them is, A, when I was growing up, they didn't sell out home games, so we couldn't watch them. They'd be local blackout, and we would get the Patriots feed. And I had family in Boston when I was growing up, and we went to the city all the time, and I love the city. So it was like there felt like a natural connection. Then I just took that team because it was better than being what my dad was. We'd get in the car and turn on sports radio, (laughs) and my dad's going, this garbage team, this owner will never effing sell. This team's (laughs) going to be terrible forever. It's just a money-making scheme. I'm like, why? I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. But that's what everybody was like. And now they have this reward. And I think Baker Mayfield said it. It felt like there was a lot of pent-up emotion in the city. And that, that's what it oh, felt yeah. like in the building. Yeah. it would, Those people were ready to go off. Did you see a lot of happy tears? Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude, pregame? All right, I have to tell you this. Pregame, we're sitting there. And they start doing all the, like, player intros. And Aiden Hutchinson comes out of the tunnel. Oh, man. Obviously, hometown kid. Yeah. Went to Michigan. Couldn't hear his player intro. That's awesome. You hear number 97, and then the rest of it's drowned out by crowd noise. Then the anthem starts. And during the anthem, and it was, what's his face on a saxophone? It was fantastic. This guy next to me is just weeping. 
weeping while the flag is on the field and they're going through the national anthem. And the guy gets to the final note, and he held it for like 40 seconds. It was something crazy. Didn't hear a lick of it. Wow. By the time he got to the final note, the crowd was so loud, you could not hear the national anthem. It was unreal. By the way, I stand by that the national anthem should always be played by a brass instrument. Trumpets, saxophone, any of those. It's always the best done that way. No vocals. I like it there, or uh, honestly, I'm a big fan of electric guitar. Interesting. Okay. The, not, I've, I can't remember the last electric guitar anthem I've heard. But I it, think it, Beck it is did good. one at the Super Bowl. Maybe Metallica did one when they did the Super Bowl. Okay. I think Metallica might have done a guitar anthem. All right. Abdallah would know. Yeah, he definitely would know. All right, getting into the game this week because, hey, you, you win that one, you, you live to see another day, and now you get San Francisco. Now you're going on the road. The Lions, a seven, seven-and-a-half-point uh, underdog, depending on where you look. Feels not- like it's coming back to seven now. Yeah. seven-and-a-half yesterday. Which is interesting because we got a positive health report on Debo Samuel. He is going to play for the San Francisco 49ers this week, and we've obviously seen the impact that he has on what they do offensively. When you look at the point totals for San Francisco with and without Debo Samuel in games where Debo has missed or got hurt, the Niners have scored 17, 17, 17, and 24. Last week was 24. There were one in three in that span, and the only win came last week against Green Bay. So he's obviously one of their big X factors there. But this is a 49ers team that they've got weapons for days. I mean, even if Debo were to miss this game, all right, you still got Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey, who's that dual threat of being able to run the football and also is the best pass catching back in the NFL. I think what gives me pause, though, is when you watch their offense, Debo is the first read in their sets virtually every time. And when Debo came out of the game against Green Bay, now Brock Purdy didn't look good before he was came out of the game. But once he came, like didn't play the second half, Brock Purdy looked lost, lost yeah. until that final possession. And I just feel like again, and it, it, this is how I felt about Purdy all year. When the first read is there, and he doesn't have to hold onto the ball and make a decision, he can be excellent. But the first read is Debo so often that if Debo is even 50% and they're running him out as a decoy, what is that going to do to Brock Purdy with Aiden Hutchinson bearing down on you? Yeah, it's true. I do think the one interesting thing with Debo Samuel is that, all right, so it's a shoulder injury. He is off the injury report completely. So he's healthy enough to play. He is going to play in this game. I wonder, one of the things that makes Debo so effective is the yards after the catch and him maybe going out of bounds early on some of these just to protect that shoulder so he doesn't take big hits is going to be interesting. Maybe. This is breaking news on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. This just in from Tom Pelissero. The Chicago Bears have hired Eric Washington as their defensive coordinator. He comes over from Buffalo where he was the defensive line coach and the assistant head coach. He also coached with the Chicago Bears from 2008 to 2010 as a defensive assistant and D-line coach. But the Chicago Bears getting Eric Washington as their defensive coordinator. Great. The thing about the D coordinator, it seems, and we saw this from Albert Breer yesterday, it seems like Matt Eberflus is going to call the plays. Yeah, so I think it's he more likes of doing a it. puppet hire. And, and you know what? He should. He should call the plays next year. 
because he was fantastic at it down the stretch. The defense completely revamped. You can look at the opponents and say, oh, look who they beat, look who they played. But at the same time, it's like that was kind of the, just the state of the NFL last year. Like, sure, you beat Joe, or you, you were, you looked good against like guys like Joe Flacco aside from that fourth quarter, but Joe Flacco was kind of the state of the league last year. Like, there were a lot of Joe Flaccos playing in the NFL last year. So. And coming over from Buffalo, like, I know people think their defense is hot trash a lot, especially this year. They were so banged up. And in the past, they have consistently had really good defenses. I thought towards the end of the season, their defense evolved into being a really good unit. You just Part of it is you ran into the Chiefs at the wrong time when the Chiefs started feeling more like the Chiefs. Part of it is you were your entire linebacker unit was decimated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to say this. I'm happy it's not Joe Barry. Because when they interviewed <laughs> yeah. Joe Barry yesterday, when that little, little nugget dropped. A little itchy and scratchy. little itchy and scratchy. I told Courtney and Hood when that news came out, I said if they hire George Barry, uh, Joe Barry, I may light myself on fire. <laughs> I might. That feels a little extreme. I might. No, dude, I, that, that You're guy. You're not even root for the team. You're Patriots fan. Hey, stop. Are you a front runner? Are you like the Drake of our station? Just front running whenever this you can? Is, this is not nice at all. <laughs> I think you might be. Of course I root for the Bears. You know what? My life is more fun when the Bears are good. Everyone's I would like the Bears to be fun. good. If they hired Joe Barry, but you're, they I mean, you're going, good. You're going to Lions playoff games? It'd be you're, unbelievable. You, you've pretty much abandoned the no, Patriots, it, was, it feels like, now that no, they're that's the, not the true. tank. That Drake May's coming. <laughs> You are the station, Drake. You are. Now you want Drake May. Unbelievable. What are we doing here? You. I all I said was I would light myself on fire. You come in with a new baseball hat every day, like whoever's the flavor of the month. That's yeah, my White Sox hat. Real flavor of the month cap. That's that just screams flavor of the month. I'm coming in where the team's going to lose 110 games on my head. Nine days out of ten, I flavor of the month. Anyway, all right, getting back into... Just, I'm just happy they didn't hire Joe Barry. So- How has this become an attack on me? I All I said was I'm glad they didn't hire the idiot from Green you Bay You would light yourself on fire. I would. He's a moron. For a I team don't you watch- don't root for. I don't, so what? I don't want to watch 17 games of Joe Barry defense. By the way, this... From Palacero, too. He is confirming that Matt Eberflus will continue to call plays in Chicago. So that nugget that we got from Albert Breer yesterday has been confirmed as uh, Eric Washington, the new defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, 17th season in the NFL as an assistant, and back in Chicago now after a run from 2008 to 2010. What does a defensive coordinator do when they don't call plays? Well, it's I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, what What does Mike McDaniel's offensive coordinator do? Right. What does what Sean is, McVay's offensive what coordinator do? What does Matt Nagy do? What right. did Eric Bieniemy do? It's the All. same thing. And that's fine. Like, that's why, I, like, I'm not, I wouldn't get bent out of shape over any hire. They could have hired Joe Barry. It would not have bothered me either way because I know who's in charge of the defense and it wouldn't be Joe Barry. It's not going to be Eric Washington. It's going yeah, to be Matt Eberflus. Joe, but Joe Barry being in the room would be the same stink that Matt Nagy in the room was in Kansas City all year when their offense was floundering. It'd be the same garbage stink. Yeah, well, no, it would be like Luke Getze, right? Well, like, he at least was calling the, plays. The, well, yeah, but it's like the, the Packers stench is there yes, in, exactly. in like a high-level position. But. It feels traitorous. It feels treasonous. This guy's in here to sabotage. Or he's out for revenge. Just, like, you, you know got, what? Like... 
at least Getsy though got promoted from a quarterback coach to an OC, a play calling OC at that too. Like Joe Barry got canned and is looking for a job. I don't understand how he's interviewing for DC positions. Frankly, he's terrible. He had all those first round picks on that defense. Like, yeah, that's my point. It's not like they weren't talented. Now they did play better down the stretch, but Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, Jair Alexander. Thank you, like Quay Walker. They're talented defense. Yeah, and they were twenty sixth in the league. It felt L A Chargers ish, right? Like you have all that talent on the defense. Now the Chargers did deal with more injuries i would say but you have all that talent on the defense and you can't find ways to win all of this to say thank you for not hiring another packers assistant coach it it does actually feel like things are being done a little differently at least in terms of how they're approaching the hires shane waldron big boy hire top of the shelf and eric washington i he's not going to call the plays it's going to be eberflus's defense i think it's good at least that you have a name in that position because i've seen that before too the Patriots for years. No name to defensive coordinator, just like a bevy of assistants with play sheets. Um, no, I, I, I'm i just glad it's not another Packers assistant and it feels like they're shopping near the top again. Yep. Or for once. All right, when we come back, we'll get back into that Lions and Niners game after the breaking news. Eric Washington named the Bears defensive coordinator. And we will also dive into the game of the weekend. It is the Ravens and the Chiefs. All that coming up next. Tyler Aki, Shane Orling, talking football with you on ESPN 1000. This is Tyler and Shane on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. In case you missed it, the breaking news, the Chicago Bears hiring Eric Washington as their defensive coordinator. Also a little bit of baseball breaking news as well. Chicago Cubs have lifted their seat off of their hands. They have signed Hector Neris, a right-handed reliever, to a one-year $9 million deal after a pretty, pretty good season with the Astros last year. But that's some of the Chicago area breaking news that has all come in over the last five minutes or so here. Big Saturday. Yeah. We're starting it off here. Tyler Rocky, Shay Norling, we're with you until 11 a.m. Talking a lot of football with you, getting you ready for the divisional or the conference championships. It's sad. We've got three to go now. I wish it was the divisional round, too, I wish man. It was. Like, <laughs> I love the divisional round aspect. You get Saturday, you get Sunday. It used to be great, too, because it, it was Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday funneled into the college football championship, which we may get back now with the 12 team. I don't know what the schedule looks like. But when the playoff expands to 12 teams, I'd imagine they'll bump everything back as opposed to put, pushing forward. I have no idea what they're going to do. I, don't know. I, would, I kind of always assumed that they would start the first round a week before New Year's and keep the semifinals on New Year's weekend. Let's see how big of a front runner you are now. They're not going to do 12 Let's teams. Let's see how big of a front runner you are now. All right, this is in from Jeremy Fowler just now. Patriots plan to interview former Bears OC Luke Getze for their OC job. You've got to be. You a Lions fan officially? No, I'm a tortured Patriots fan who's. <laughs> <laughs> I need this now. I don't know why you're doing this to me. I need this now. I'm just reading news, man. I- I'm reading. I'm giving you the headlines. All right, this is the stuff that comes. What the are desk. you doing? <laughs> I don't understand any of it. They ran Belichick out of town, elevated Gerard Mayo. They haven't hired a front office executive. Seems like they're not going to. Belichick's kids are still in the coaching ranks. Everybody's still there. 
You ran the old man out. You keep everything the same. Now you're going to hire this bleephole? Fantastic. <laughs> Ruin another young quarterback. So Drake Thank May you. Thank and you for Luke that. Getze, a potential pairing in the making. There no, we go. No, you know what? Now I'm just a Bears fan. Oh, be, be good. Stake your flag. For the love of God, be Plant good. Plant your flag. Come on. Plant your flag. You in? Officially? You're one of us now? Officially? No more Lions games for you, all right? Oh, stop. That, you're done. I can do you're whatever I want to do. That's, I won't be, that, that's I, listen, over. I won't be paying what I paid to go last week again anyways. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Just wanted to take my dad to something nice. Yeah. I that, was being a good son. You were. You were. And, and like... That like th- those were are some of those experiences where like the money doesn't matter. I feel like you just do it at that point. This whole thing, like this Luke Getzey thing, had an interview with the Raiders yesterday. Now he's going to interview with the Patriots. What is the deal? NFL teams got to figure this out. You can have all of your best friends work for you, or you can hire people who are worth hiring. I don't understand it. This is the same reason I get so hot about Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia should not be in the NFL. Period. There is zero evidence to support him being a good NFL coach at any level. Assistant, coordinator, head coach, any of it. Get out. Yep. Luke Getzey sucked here. Then he gets this uh, interview for the same job in Vegas. They're going to have a new quarterback that he can ruin. And New England, where they're going to have a new quarterback that he can ruin. What are these teams doing? I, For the life of me, I will never understand this. Yeah, this friendship circle—it's it's garbage. Let's get back to the games here. Uh, a couple quick things I do want to bring up about the Lions. So, first off, Jared Goff going for his first road playoff game this year. It's been a completely different Jared Goff when he goes outside, too. I don't yeah, know. If, Seventy-four degrees and sunny in San Francisco. I don't think it's going to be a huge. Well, thing. I just outdoors in general, and some of these games have been played in Tampa, Baltimore when it's nice out, but outdoors this year. He's got a 3-2 and two record, a 63.6% completion percentage, thrown for 252 yard, uh, yards per game, five touchdowns to four interceptions. His quarterback rating drops from 108.9 to 82, and they're averaging 18.8 points per game. Uh, at Baltimore was a rough look. Uh, but at Tampa, which I think is going to probably be close to similar weather, Tampa mid-October, San Francisco right now, 74 degrees and sunny. It's going to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. Goff, 30 of 44 for 353, two tuds. We'll have to see that Goff in this game. 107.5. You're going to need it uh, against this defense. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And going outdoors has always been a bit of a bugaboo. Does the Charger game count as outdoors? Open air. He's great. No, I mean, you got a roof on it. It's like still controlled temperature. He was good at Green Bay earlier this year. He was excellent when they went to Green Bay at the end of year last year. I think yep. he's kind of dispelled that narrative. Obviously, when they came here, not great. Not great, yeah. But San Francisco's not going to be what that game was. You just need... I think for for the sake of the game itself, I'm praying that the weather gods cooperate because both of these quarterbacks function at a pretty high level when there is when it's not pouring rain, when the elements aren't intervening. Like the other game, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes... It can be whatever temperature, whatever conditions, those guys are going to ball out. But in this game, these guys need ideal conditions, I think. A lot's being made of the Lamar-Mahomes matchup. And I wonder if, like, I kind of feel like all of the pressure is on Baltimore. 
I agree. I with feel you. like all of the oh, pressure yeah. is on Baltimore and all of the pressure is on Lamar Jackson. It's like Patrick Mahomes has done everything I could have expected from him this season. I thought his team was dead walking into the playoffs. The, the weapons yeah. are atrocious. When you think about like Justin Watson and MVS and Rasheed Rice, who's been excellent, he's really come on at the end of the year. I like him a lot. Rookie receiver out of SMU, yeah. not exactly the most highly touted talent. And you look at the way that their offense played a lot of this season – I didn't really expect them to be in this spot, having to go on the road, do it for the first time. Well, Mahomes went to Buffalo, won a road playoff game. Now you're in the AFC title game for the sixth straight year. If you lose, you lost to the best team in football that also might be among the historically great teams in the Baltimore Ravens. But if the Ravens lose and Lamar loses, that's a long offseason. Yeah. Would you say Lamar has more pressure than Brock Purdy this Sunday? Yeah. Yes. I think so, too. I think... Because cor- both, both franchises can completely start over. I think, if, like, they could realize if Brock Purdy loses at home this weekend to the Lions, he might not be the answer despite filling him with so many weapons around. And like Shea said, Lamar, he just keeps not being able to get there. Like He is knocking on the front door every year, it seems like. And he just... What, what, you said six straight years? Is that what you said, Shay? Mahomes, yes. Six, yeah. Well, that's yeah. Mahomes. Six, six Mahomes. straight AFC title games. Mm-hmm. Lamar, I think this is his first. Yeah, because he's he, he has not been seems, able to get right? over the hump. He can't. He can't do it. I, I think that, if he does it, then that narrative's gone. If he loses to this version of the Chiefs, a lot of people will go with the, well, the right. Chiefs are the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it really will speak a lot to... Again, Lamar hasn't been able to get it done. To be fair, personally, I think that's ridiculous. Like, this is totally a national media deal and, like, a conversation at the bar with your friends. It's the same thing with Josh Allen. Oh, Josh Allen, he can't get over the hump. Dude, he's been in the league for five years. His extension off of his for a second contract starts next season. Mm-hmm. They took Peyton Manning eight years to win a Super Bowl. But keep in mind, that's when it gets hard. And that's part of why... I look at it from a, if we talk personal standpoint, Lamar versus Brock, Lamar has more pressure on himself this weekend. From a team standpoint, though, I think the Niners have more pressure I'm with on Aki themselves. Here. Yeah, I think I'm with because, like, well, I, Okay, so here, the way I would frame it is Kyle Shanahan is under the most pressure of anybody more pressure this weekend. than John yes, Harbaugh. Yes, 100% agree on that. 312-332-3776 if you've got a thought on that. Who has more pressure this weekend, Lamar or Brock Purdy? And also the 49ers or the Ravens? Because I think they're two completely different questions when you look at what's taking place this weekend. I, I, I think, too, and we can address this coming back, but, like, dude, these next seven years in the AFC, like, Mahomes is 28. He's the best of the bunch individually. He's 28. You look at his next seven years till he's 35, and I think he'll play beyond 35. His contract stretches beyond his age 35 year. But over the next seven years, you look at all the quarterbacks in the AFC, and you think about who's going to win the most AFC titles over the next seven years. Like, I think it, it's... Well, let's evaluate that when we come back. Here. Can we eliminate Patrick Mahomes from the conversation? Because that feels like the easy one. We can. We let's talk about it when we come back. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Which AFC QB wins the most 
AFC titles over the next seven years. We'll discuss, break it all down when we come back. Tyler Rocky, Shane Norling, talking football with you on ESPN 1000. This is Tyler and Shay. Tyler and Shay. I know you're going to dig this. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Talking football with you as we've got the NFC and AFC championships this weekend. Only three games to go now. Diving into the AFC side. You know, you look at the roster of quarterbacks in the AFC right now. Whether you are an established vet in the league, whether you are one of the young and up and coming guys in the league, but you look at all of the talent in the AFC at the quarterback position. Obviously, you've got Mahomes and you've got Lamar Jackson who are dueling it out this weekend. But you look at the guys who aren't playing in this game who very easily, if some things break their way or things don't go wrong, like could be in this game, whether it's Josh Allen, whether it's Joe Burrow, if he doesn't get injured, could very easily be in this game. Um, you've also got some other guys like Tua Tungavailoa. Who knows? Maybe if they play a little bit better in the regular season and they host all the way, they could be in this game. You've got Justin Herbert. You've got Trevor Lawrence, who was the number one pick a couple years ago. You've got C.J. Stroud, who was the rookie sensation as well. And then I think there's a couple other names you can throw. Like, we don't know what Anthony Richardson's going to be. It looked promising, but he did get injured a lot this season. He got hurt in every single game he played in this year, and ultimately it cost him his season very early on. But when you look at all of the crop of AFC quarterbacks – over the next seven seasons, I'm taking it out until Patrick Mahomes is 35. Who is going to play and win the most amount of AFC title games? Mahomes. Mahomes. All right, who's second then? Uh, Mahomes is just that you can't say it's anyone else. He's been in the AFC title every game year. every year that he's been the starter. Six in a row. So it, And he's been to, what, three Super Bowls? But here's the th- uh, yes, he's been to three, one, two. Here's the thing. Here, here's his cap hit number over the next couple of years now. It's starting to get... I think they'll restructure that. They will, but like, they also haven't found the greatest talent to surround him with either. Yeah, just wait till they trade for Stephon Diggs. 57 mil, 60, 63, 59. Those are the next four years of Mahomes' cap hit. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, like life's not going to get easier for if you're Kansas City. Chris Jones is gone. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to find ways to supplement some talent, but th- look, Rumors are out there again. Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, retire together. If if Travis Kelsey's numbers come off the books, that opens you up a little bit. That gives you opportunities to add elsewhere. He's eating a ton of cap space. Mm-hmm. So they will have opportunities. Like the cap, if the cap mattered, the Rams would not still be going to the playoffs. Like I I don't think but it's the as Rams went to the playoffs a, because of a lot of their rookie contributions. Of course, but it was also this, like, yes, you have to hit on the talent. The Chiefs did that with Rasheed Rice. Yeah, I think that's a hit. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it with Sky Moore, but no, they did Sky it with Rasheed Moore Rice. Sky terrible, but mm-hmm. you have you also hit on Patrick Mahomes, and that helps cover up a lot of the other wounds. How many misses did the Patriots have in the draft when they were a dynasty? A yeah. lot. They never drafted skill position players. But you got the quarterback right. And it made the rest of the life easier. Like, you can find discount guys. Go find your Julian Edelman and then make your trade for your Randy Moss, Stephon Diggs. Like, that's where I think the future is for the Chiefs. And that's why I think it's just hard to say it's anyone other than Patrick Mahomes. But if you're asking me who's second, 
The other name I would throw in there too. What about Mike Evans? It's an option. Yeah. He's not. Tampa can't afford him. Yeah. They, That's like, a team in cap hell. No and chance. Have to pay a quarterback too. In yeah. all likelihood, At Baker I think is going to get. I don't know if he'll get fifty, but could he get forty million for four years? I could oh, see yeah, it certainly with more guarantee than what Daniel Jones got. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you look around and and you start to see options for the Chiefs to get better. If you're asking me who's second, like who's gonna, who I would rank second in that in yeah. that, I think I still go with Josh Allen. And I know people think that's Winning crazy. AFC titles, yeah. You know, I, I think he's actually in prime position to get shut out. Really, over the next seven years, like because I think that that candidate is Justin Herbert. I think he very well could. I do think he has some coaching stability now. And he like there is a smart guy in that room, finally. But the other name, too, the guy who I think is going to be in second is C.J. Stroud. I was going to say C.J. and Justin. C.J. and Herbert are my two guys. What is it with Justin Herbert? It's just the coaching now with Harbaugh. That's the only way I'm going with that. I, I've always liked Herbert. He's a great He's a 4,000-yard guy every year. Dude, they're drafting fifth in a very yeah. good offensive draft. C.J. Stroud is a great one, though. What are they going to do? C.J. Stroud, I get the rookie thing. I'm not ready to put him up there with some of these guys. Yeah, seven might be a little aggressive because the, these next two years for C.J., I don't know if they'll be as good team like record-wise. What, they had 10 wins this year? I don't know if they could follow that next season. But uh, the, the good news for them is they're not in cap hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are youngish. It doesn't look like Bobby Sloak's getting a job either. You retain the offensive coordinator, but regression just regression can happen fast. And I'm a I'm as big a CJ Stroud believer as you. I just the final four quarterbacks again were like Stroud was in there. Would Stroud have been there if Burrow stayed healthy? I don't know. I I honestly don't know the answer to that. I was going to say, we're completely forgetting about Joe Burrow. Like, yeah, there, there were significant injuries across the board, too, that shaped the playoff landscape this year. My thing with Josh Allen is I continue to feel like he keeps losing these games, and the blame keeps being put on him. I'm not putting the blame on him. It's for, very, yes. you know me, it's very rare that I feel this way. I don't think it's his fault at all. Yeah, Like the turnovers, there are too many of them. It, nobody is denying that. There weren't too many against Buffalo, against Kansas City over the weekend. There weren't too many uh, in his first playoff game. There weren't too many turnovers the last time they played Kansas City. I'm sorry, is it Josh Allen's fault that you gave up a field goal to tie the game and go to overtime with 13 seconds left and you never got to touch the football in overtime? Is it Josh Allen's fault? That Stephon Diggs drops one of the best passes we've seen all year. Stephon Diggs catches that pass. That is going down as one of the best passes ever thrown. He threw that ball like 80 yards in the air. Yeah. Is it is it Josh Allen's, like, do you want him to kick the field goals too? Like, and that's, it's one of those things. Now, it is his fault that he didn't throw the easy first down to Stephon Diggs on the third down. That yeah. or on the second down. Mm-hmm. That's his fault. Yeah, like, that's fair. I will say the fourth quarter of that game, and honestly, I think a part of it is supposedly McDermott went to Allen in, in the fourth quarter and said, all right, we made it here. Now it's all you. Go win the game. Shouldn't have told him that. Cause that's when <laughs> then he, you go big game hunting. Right. That's when he started, like, the entire game. It was three quarters of Josh Allen taking the underneath stuff, taking the easy completions, using his legs to get easy yards and going down. Like, he was fantastic. It was one of the best games that I've ever seen him play, in large part because he was finally accepting some of the easy stuff. And then the fourth quarter started, and he was hunting home runs. Like, Diggs should not have dropped that ball. That ball maybe shouldn't have been thrown in that situation either. 
granted, you continue to move the ball up the field. Things kind of worked out for you. But then, second down, Diggs is running open underneath. Easy first down. Take the easy stuff you have all game. Instead, I got to watch home run to the end zone for Shakir. And it was his worst throw of the game. 312-332-3776. Talking about the AFC quarterback landscape here. Tyler Aki and Shay Norling with you. This was a question that I posed to Waddle and Sylvie. And I got laughed off the stage for it. All right. We've gone through the amount of quarterbacks. And in all likelihood, there's going to be a new one. I don't know if he's going to be great or not. But there's going to be a new one entering the conversation when the Patriots draft one, right? Like whether it's Jaden Daniels, whether it's Drake May, there is going to be a new young toy that is in the AFC that could be great. Do one of these guys force their way out over to the NFC and say, you know what, like I can go to the NFC and I will immediately be the best quarterback in the NFC. You know what's fascinating about that is Russell Wilson moved from the NFC to the AFC. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers moved from the NFC to the AFC. But part of that could have been those teams, unless they got a significant offer, were not interested in trading their guy within the conference. True. Who's the guy that forces his way out? Is it Herbert? I think the no, coach, not now that Harbaugh's not, there. Yeah, I was going to say now that Harbaugh's there, that question's probably less likely. What about? I was going to say it could be Josh Allen. But the I, I think is, he is the prime candidate. He loves Buffalo. But do you love Buffalo or do you love winning? Like, at a certain point, you have to ask yourself that. If he goes to the NFC, whatever team lands him, like, can you imagine if the Cowboys took a big swing at Josh Allen? I don't the, want to. The Cowboys would be the best team in the NFC. It frankly wouldn't be close. And that team is going to a Super Bowl. I'm not guaranteeing that they'll win it, but they're going to the Super Bowl. I think what's really fascinating about this, too, is like it just frames how different these two conferences are. Like we talk about, we can have this conversation in the AFC. Which quarterback is going to win the most AFC titles the next seven years? If you do it in the NFC... I can tell you right now. There could be seven quarterbacks that win the next seven NFC titles. And if I told you right now the three best quarterbacks in the NFC are Jared Goff, Brock Purdy, and Jordan Love, you'd be hard-pressed to argue. We still putting Dak up there because he's a great regular season player? Guy's a pumpkin every time there's a big moment. Yeah. Pumpkin. Mm -hmm. Absolute pumpkin. Now, we don't have a ton of data on Brock or Jordan Love. Like, it's small sample sizes that you're working with here. But, I mean... Brock Purdy is in the NFC title game for a second consecutive season. Like, there's something to be said there. And Jordan Love, he seems like he's on his way. And that's why I think, like, Jared Goff has rewritten the narrative around himself. Yes. But But what what is he going to look like when Ben Johnson goes to Washington? Right. And none of these guys look anything like the guys in the AFC. The AFC, it's like watching watching a different sport almost. Like, I was was at. Lions Bucks. It was a fun game. Then I watched Chiefs Bills. <laughs> yeah. I mean Chiefs when the Chiefs and the Bills get together, that is a different sport. It's epic stuff. Yeah. You're playing it you're right. You are playing four dimensional chess at that point. It's it is a completely different sport because those are two high operating teams. But yeah, like if you're the Bears and I offer the Bills one in nine right now. Are the Bills saying yes to that? 
I offer you one and nine, two top ten picks. I'll give you my answer right after this. This is Tyler and Shay on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Home. So, Shay, I pose the question to you. If you're the Bears and you get the Bills on the phone and say, we'll give you number one and number nine for Josh Allen. Do what you want with those picks after. Like, you want to trade out of it and get your haul, too, if you're Buffalo? Like, do what you want. But in all likelihood, that would, you're essentially trading them the right to draft Caleb Williams or Drake May. And then at nine, you either get a receiver, you get... I mean, if you're the Bills, you have three first-round picks in this year. In a year that you would be coming off of trying to replace Josh Allen if this trade were to go down. I mean, you'd get Caleb Williams, you'd get Dallas Turner, and you'd get whoever you select with your like own pick. Keon Coleman. Wide receiver out of Florida State. So, or if you are... Brian the, Thomas out of LSU, whoever. If you are the Buffalo Bills, if you are the Chicago Bears... Who's hanging up the phone? Honestly, I think the Bears hang up the phone. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't even think they'd make this that is, call. If the Bears got Josh Allen, you are the NFC favorites. That's true, but are you the Super Bowl favorites? If you if you get to the Super Bowl, you have a chance, and I think with Josh Allen, you have a chance in that game. Here's my issue: is there's only two quarterbacks. I think since the year 2000, that have won the Super Bowl while making more than 13% against the cap. Because people will say... It's like, only Mahomes, right? It, I think it's only Mahomes. I saw this yesterday. It's only Mahomes. And Peyton Manning when he had bolts in his neck and the greatest defense anybody's ever seen that year in Denver. When they would just like sack everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, those, I think those are the only two that have won it with more than 13% of their money against the cap. I know like people, when I say, if you trade for Josh Allen, you also trade for Josh Allen's money. There's the very, this is the same conversation I had with Cap and Hoodie earlier this week about Fields. If you keep Fields and you're right about Fields and he's good and you go to the playoffs, are you ready for what that's going to cost you? Because he's going to start making 20% of your salary cap. And people go, it's not my money. I'm not the owner. They're billionaires. I don't care. Well, you got to live in the world where the salary cap does exist. And it becomes incredibly difficult to win championships unless you have... Peyton Manning managing the offense with one of the all-time great defenses on the other side of the ball, or Patrick Mahomes. No one else has done it in 24 years. So it's hard for me to look at it and go, yeah, that's a good move for the Bears. Like that That's the part that I struggle with. You are a better team. You are the NFC favorite. Does it win you a Super Bowl? That's always the question. But I think the Bears are in the unique situation where if you look across the rest of their roster... Aside from Montez Sweat and Tremaine Edmonds, everyone is either on a rookie deal or an extremely team-friendly contract. Like, DJ Moore's making money, but his performance is outdoing the 18 mil that he makes. Yeah, but he's up again in 26. He and is. he's going to be a $20 million wide receiver. People might scoff at that. Go look at what the top 10 receivers oh, yeah. in this no, league he, make. I mean, yes. He's a $20 million he, he, player. He is. He, probably more than $20 million too. Um, well, like well over 20 minutes, probably like in the 24 million range. It's the same thing Detroit's about to have to reckon with. Amon Ross St. Brown, he's awesome when he's on this value deal, but he's a $20 million player in about two seasons. Yeah. 
So when you look at building the rest of the roster after you you would acquire – like. I, if I'm the Bears, I'm diving headfirst into this pool because you're setting yourself up where over the next six years, well, it's the length of Josh Allen's contract, over the next five years and beyond, like five years gets you to 32. You'd imagine Josh Allen's going to be one of those guys who can play till he's what? 36, 37, and still be pretty effective. And after two seasons, none of his salary is guaranteed, so you can basically just get out of the deal mm-hmm. if it's not working. Right. I look at it as if you have a chance where every single Sunday you can say, all right, we've got number 17 on our team. Sorry, Tyson Bajan, you'll have to change your yeah, number. Yeah, but isn't it better if that's but, what Caleb Williams is? Like if you – I know that it's because you know what Josh Allen is. Yes. You go, we can put that guy right here. I mean, if you're guaranteeing me that Caleb Williams is Josh Allen or better – Yes, I'm taking Caleb Williams. But there, that guarantee does not exist right now. Of course. Now. You cannot do that. And in the world of quarterbacks, like you can look at, oh, he's 28. Quarterbacks play till they're 40 now. Maybe not Josh Allen. I think you, Josh Allen still has at least eight good years in him. Like, I'm willing to roll the dice on that. So you would rather go trade for a vet, like just in a vacuum. If you're getting somebody like Josh Allen, look at look would you at sign Kirk Cousins. No, because Josh Allen is significantly jo, Kirk Cousins is not one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like that's what you're trading for here. This is more significant when when the than when the Bears traded for Jay Cutler. Like Jay Cutler wasn't one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Allen definitively is. Okay, so then on the Buffalo side, do you think they take the deal? It gives them the opportunity. Look, if you're Buffalo, this is the angle you have to take to your offseason. You cannot just keep running this back. You can't. You've lost. There's going to be major change coming in Buffalo. I mean, it it starts with their wide receiver one with Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs has played his last snap as a Buffalo Bill. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I don't know where he ends up. I, I think Kansas City is honestly a very good spot for him to land, and I think it could be incredibly likely. Uh, but that's besides the point. The point is, if you're Buffalo, you cannot continue to run this back. If you're feeling that way, does the quarterback become a part of that? Because for me, if I'm Buffalo, if anybody calls and says, hey, we're interested in Josh Allen, I'm not even listening to the next words out of your mouth. Hang up. But I think if the Chicago Bears call... And the number one pick is a part of that conversation. Like, effectively, you are trading with this number one overall pick. If the haul that you could get for the number one pick is what we're hearing it is, and that's three firsts plus some more stuff. Like, you're talking about you in this deal, you would be including four first-round picks. The value of four first-round picks. If they and t- more. My, the other worry is if they're like, okay, we're interested. Then I'm, I'm on the other end, and I'm Ryan Bowles, and I'm like, is Caleb really a guarantee? They want to give me Josh Allen for this guy? That's what, Then I start going, man, he must really be good. I think Buffalo would be the one. Like If Caleb, my point is. You if, brought up earlier that Josh Allen loves Buffalo. I think Buffalo loves Josh Allen. Like the organization loves Josh Allen more than Josh Allen may love Buffalo. Because Buffalo needs Josh Allen. Josh Allen doesn't need the Bills. It does feel like a kind of perfect marriage, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, the two of them, that city, that mm-hmm. team, he's and He's a low-key guy, man. Like, he's from Wyoming, or he's, he went to Wyoming. 
He's just like been low profile with everything. He's got a celebrity girlfriend who doesn't even go to the games. <laughs> like he, it, if you brought up his celebrity girlfriend, I, I think a lot of people wouldn't even know who she is. That's a shame. So, three one two three three two three seven seven. I kept hoping she'd be at the games. Just wanted to see her on Dueling camera. Dueling against Taylor Swift, Haley Steinfeld versus Taylor Swift. All right, when we come back, we will dive more into the Kansas City and Baltimore matchup. I've also got a. I don't know how I was supposed to react to something that happened earlier this week to me. We'll do all of that when we come back. Tyler Rocky, Shane Rowland, talking football with you on ESPN 1000. This is Tyler and Shane on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago.